Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, I'm welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 103, a day late. <laughs> on the plus side, you will not have to listen to us die live on a fucking microphone. The weather in Boston. And we'll get a lot of, in the Northeast, you're a bunch of pussies. I live in Minnesota and it's 422 degrees below zero and ice <laughs> just pours from the sky like God's ejaculating death upon us. And, and we, we play softball in it and it's, a, we're, we're not used to 10 below zero here, even in February. Yeah. It really becomes a case, particularly since we're in the all new, all different <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office. The old home office, the pipes would fucking freeze if it got to one below. Exactly. And, we know what to deal with there. It's like, okay, just trickle the water in this particular sink and everything will be fine. This new home office has like five sinks. And it does. Three showers and, and it's got electric heat outside. So we're trying to balance that and the pellet stove to give auxiliary heat. And that's part of why we couldn't tape yesterday. It was so cold. Normally what we do is bump the furnace all the way down and let the, the stove heat the house. That way we don't get the furnace noise. We would have died down here. Yeah. The house would have frozen because the pellet stove couldn't keep up with it. The baseboard heaters down here <laughs> weren't heating the place up. No. So, yeah, there were just a horrible drone and, yeah, just weird edits where I suddenly panicked and said, shit, am I trickling the water next to the toilet? And <laughs> so it was just. We have a lot of toilets. We, like everybody in the house can poop at the same time independently and not have to wait for a bathroom. Well, that thank, includes the cat. Thank God, because I'm, I'm tired of pooping tandem with you. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, no, just... There's only two of us here. It's yeah. Not that big a deal. Nobody has to wait for a toilet is, is what I'm saying. We never did. This is not a new development. Well, when we got the cat, I stopped using the other bathroom because I was always paranoid that if I was in there and he also had to go, he would shit on the floor. <laughs> Given his behavior over the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. The cat's been pissing in the sink. We think it's... It's it's because he's pissed at us. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, it's you know, we did, we looked up the same thing. There's going to be cat owners who are angry with us going, no, he could have a bladder infection. Any change in litter box habits? And I'm with you. I panicked about it. But then we started playing with him more and mm -hmm. paying more attention to him, and he stopped pissing in the sink. So yeah, he pisses in the sink when he's pissed at us. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And and he does it in secret. I've got a coworker who tells me that his dog very specifically – will will piss in a particular part of the house, but maintain eye contact. Like walk there, <laughs> like you know, dead eye contact, and then just psst. <laughs> Yeah. Parker's not maintaining dominance. <laughs> he just said when they find this, they're gonna be wicked mad. Let me get out of here, Jesus. <laughs> Do you ever try to get the smell of cat piss out of your pipes? We've poured more enzymatic shit down there and it's finally better, but it took yeah. like two or three days after each one like so we, th we seriously gave thought to hiring a plumber to come out and remove and replace yeah just pipes. saw the shit off and get rid of it and, but no we finally we finally got rid of it and the, the behavior's better parker's happier because we're playing with them more yes i'm happier because i'm not mucking cat urine out of the sink <laughs> that happiness is metered with i wake up hungover and now i gotta play with a cat for half an hour yeah you know, when he doesn't, when he doesn't come over and curl up on my lap and purr, I don't shit in his litter box. I don't understand the equity in this behavior. <laughs> I don't know. He's a cat. It works for him. It got my attention. <laughs> the worst. He's the got limited language skills. The worst part of it was he did this in the night at some point. Yeah. And I was shit faced. 
the night before and just utterly hammered. And Amanda had to shake me away. He's like, go to bed. Go to bed. You're drunk. <laughs> and she woke me she up. She said the- drunkenly. Well, no. You woke me up the next morning and said, Rob, this is a hell of a thing to ask, but were you pissed at me last night when I shook you awake? I'm like, well, I wasn't happy, but were you angry enough to piss in the sink, Rob? <laughs> That's right. I did say that to you. It's like, what? No, I'm, I'm not 19. This isn't college. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You did kill a tree in like one of your backyards, as I recall. Yeah, but I was off the back deck. I was 23, and as all 23 year olds, uh, I knew everything despite being as dumb as a stick. I don't know. It was a fenced in backyard, and I was a dick. It was like every other 23 year old guy. Okay. But the worst part was, yeah, because of old school behavior like that, I had to stop and think. <laughs> did I piss in the sink last night? What could Amanda have done to make me angry enough to, how drunk would I have to be to be like, oh, I'll stand on my tiptoes. Somehow the toilet has risen in the, that's, yeah, it's been a weird week. It's been a weird week. And if we tried to tape last night, we'd have died. Yeah. So. So instead, um, we, we got drunk enough to, uh, well, at least for me this morning, have to combat my hangover with an entire buffalo chicken pizza. Oh yeah. I had an entire large meat lovers and it was glorious. <laughs> It made the pain go away. Yeah. Just in time to go see Deadpool. Well, and then, then we went to go see Deadpool. All right, before we talk about Deadpool, um, just a, a couple of things from recurring things we've talked about in recent shows. There is still no concrete news about DC Rebirth. Uh, we're still dealing with the same pack of rumors, basically from Bleeding Cool, that we've been dealing with for the last two weeks. Yeah. We talked about them at length uh, during last week's show. The only new thing uh, is today on Jeff Johns, Jim Lee's, and I think Dan DiDio's Twitter they put up another picture of words against a blue curtain, and this time it's rebirth, not a reboot, and it never was. That's the only okay. thing we. That's the only thing we know. Now that could be bull. That could be bullshit. <laughs> it could be. It's it could a, be. You know, your definition of reboot is aha. Uh-huh, we're not taking every single book back to a brand new status quo that we invented today. We're taking nine out of ten of them, but that means technically <laughs> it's not a reboot. Don't we're, call it a comeback. <laughs> don't. I've been here for you. No, I'm not. I, if you find me rapping, I'm a terrible mistake in my so life. So white. <laughs> I really am. I should. I mean, Jesus, rock and roll singing. It's like, no, you're too white for that. <laughs> Pat Boone, find something completely innocuous. But, a little drummer boy do out with David Bowie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's as, that's as white as the day is long. <laughs> that whole crew had three blue eyes out of the two of them. That's a lot of white. That's a lot of Caucasian for one television special. It's a hell of a Caucasian. <laughs> we gotta get that sound effect. Shit. I'll do that this week, maybe. If I could sober up even remotely. So Why start now? Uh, I can't think of a single good reason. Because I got three IPAs in front of me. And the fine folks at Berkshire Brewing Company, really, they should sponsor us. They really should. So, yeah, that's that's the only new news on the, the DC Rebirth front. I'm dying to hear what this thing actually is at this point. At this point, it can't possibly live up to whatever hype that it's it's getting now that it's happening. Like it, Nobody knows what it is. Well, it's, they're running out of time because yeah. they, they're only a couple weeks out from when they should be releasing the, uh, I think, May solicits, which mm. is where they got to start to shit and get off the pot because right. now then they're talking about issue 52 of, like, Superman and Action Comics and Batman, mm. which is where... If that's where these books are going to wrap up, they're going to have to start tipping their hand as to what they have in mind. Right. Technically, I suppose they could keep everything hush-hush and the solicitor could be 52nd issue of Batman. 
but by June at least, when suddenly, in theory, based on these rumors we're hearing, there's a Batman Rebirth book, and they've got to start talking about what they're doing. Or not, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> I suppose. Wow, beer went down the wrong pipe. Please don't die. Uh, I'm an alcoholic. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's the only uh, new thing on that front, but we've been talking about it for three, four weeks at this point. Yes. So all right, one new thing, may as well touch on it. The other thing that we wanted to touch on briefly is supposedly the final trailer for Batman versus Superman yeah. Dawn of Justice came out, which I really liked. I think a lot of people feel the same way about this. This made me really excited for the first solo Affleck Batman movie. Yeah. I know there's been a lot of hate for what they're referring to as Batfleck on the internet. <laughs> well, there has been for uh, ever since they announced him. But yeah, um, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine, too. And, and it, it felt like this trailer was designed specifically to showcase, no, look, he's going to be fine. <laughs> look, here's Batman behaving like Batman. Oh, yeah. The best Batman fight action I've seen in seven movies for Christ's sake yeah including a whole bunch of the animated ones where you have an unlimited stunt budget <laughs> yeah but yeah that that first sequence of Batman and the Batwing and Alfred saying heat signatures are on the third floor why don't I drop you off on the second <laughs> and just and really actually looking back on it that's sort of a a look back at a similar sequence in the Dark Knight Returns where Similar only in the sense that Batman came from underneath and pulled people down and then yeah. went up and and completed the fight. That just occurred to me. I made the connection of coming from, from ah. underneath because I'm wicked smart. <laughs> yeah. You're very smart. You haven't totally killed off most of your brain cells with alcoholic beverages over the last several years. I'm working on it, man. Now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before <laughs> our eyes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when it comes to the Batman-Superman fight, it, I don't know. I still don't know, but all I know is okay. I, I think, <laughs> I think Snyder has Batman down. I think realistically, he's done a two movie audition to do a Batman movie. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. If he was like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll do Justice League too, as long as I get that first Batman one. I don't think he's going to get it though. I think they're going to give it to Affleck to direct. He's been saying recently that he's warming to the idea of directing a superhero flick. Who Affleck has? Yeah. I've read that in one or two Yeah, like he looked in his months. checkbook and said, I feel very warm. Well, <laughs> he's looking at Tim Miller's checkbook, who never directed anything before. He's like, oh, $150 million for the first weekend well, of Deadpool. He never Jesus. directed a, a, a full-length feature before Deadpool. He did have a couple of shorts, and um, one of them, um, Go For Broke, I think was actually nominated for a Best Animated Short by the, the Oscars, if I read the interwebs right. Yeah, that that sounds cool, but sometimes it feels like, you know, I did a flip book of Batman running in third grade and I might have been nominated for an animated short. Oh, you definitely get one of those participant certificates. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I have it framed. <laughs> did, did my mom points it out to, to people who come by. That's my boy! That's my boy. He got an also ran at the Oscars. <laughs> Here's his dirty flip book. <laughs> his dirty flip book. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, I just wanted to touch briefly on the, the Batman-Superman thing, mostly because of the Batman action. Otherwise, yeah. there's not a whole ton of new shit. There's one new super leap from Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, all right, that's a thrilling half second to see. Yeah, I, I, I am curious how that's going to play out. I, I've, I've liked everything that we've seen so far of, of Gal Gadot in these trailers, I, but we haven't seen a hell of a lot either. Yeah, money shot. 
Rob Liefeld poses, except uh, there no. may or may not be feet. I don't think we've seen. Well, yeah, we did see her back backside in, in at least one shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, walking away in the evening dress. I think yeah. in this trailer. And I'm still excited for it. Man, it's going to be a contentious episode of this show <laughs> when we have our guests on <laughs> who have flat out said, this is going to be a pile of shit. All right. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, all right. Deadpool then or anything else on no, the, no. the trailer? I just wanted to, yeah, just a couple, a couple quick hits to, to bring I'm in. I'm still not sold on, on, um, Jesse Eisenberg. Is that his, yeah, that's his name? Um, as, as Lex Luthor. Say what you want about Smallville. Michael Rosenbaum set the bar fairly high for young Lex. Oh, to this day, I would put him as the best live action uh, Lex Luthor, which is not a big sample size. <laughs> him and Gene Hackman and uh, oh, Kevin shit. Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, that's it. There's not a lot there to, yeah. to fight against, but distinguished company whose asses to kick. <laughs> a couple Oscar winners. Exactly. So, yeah, that poor son of a bitch is probably watching these trailers going, fuck, they fucked up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> except it makes sense for a modern Lex Luthor to be a fucking internet billionaire and the half the free world when they see Jesse Eisenberg says, oh shit, that's a guy who owns Facebook because right. of the social media. No, I get I get why they cast the way they did. It's just... Either that or they yell, you sucked in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Michael Sarah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. easy. People mix them up. It's true. It's true. At least they didn't cast Michael Sarah. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Lex Luthor shouldn't be that sad. I just feel like Lex Luthor shouldn't come across as someone I could defeat by wedging him. <laughs> you can really do that with either one of them. No, but I'm just saying, like, yes, you've got all of this money and you're very smart. Whoop! <laughs> like, all right, for the folks at home, I was just uh, imitating how, how you would wedgie someone. Uh, yeah, she didn't actually wedgie <laughs> me because you didn't hear me shriek in agony. <laughs> She's got an atomic wedgie that would make a third grade bully just ashamed. Yeah. I, I, anyway. get, I get what you're saying, but going back to John Byrne and Man of Steel, once you make the decision that Lex Luthor is no longer an evil scientist, he is an industrialist, he's a corporatist, he's a CEO, you're not dealing with somebody who has to be physically imposing. Intimidated. Yeah. And even if he decides he has to be physically imposing, that's why God invented green and purple armor. That's true. That will give him cancer eventually. Yeah, in one of the 14 different versions of DC continuity, yes, that, that would come up. <laughs> I get why they did it, but yeah, he doesn't come across as threatening at all. Yeah. Well. Which would be nice in your supervillains, but eh, that's all right. That's why they're loading it up with Doomsday and the rumor has it Bizarro and God only knows who else they're going to throw into it. That, cause that's always worked out so well for all these other movies when they've overloaded storylines with characters. I'm trying to be optimistic about the movie, Amanda. Thanks. I'm really trying hard. It looks like Batman ass kicking action. That will be good. That will be good. I think we've seen all of it. <laughs> We're fucked. Trailer gave away all the good shit. No, no. Be positive, Rob. All right. I'll try. You can do it. <laughs> I believe in you. No, I can't. Life is terrible and nothing works. <laughs> do, you, do you want to accompany that statement with the uh, sad Hulk music? No, I don't. That is for special occasions. <laughs> Leave that alone. Okay. You'll know when it's time. All right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about Deadpool? Let's talk about Deadpool. So ostensibly, that was another reason we had to delay the show because... We weren't leaving the house uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah. Look, I have a convertible. It is not insulated. Uh, we would have died of hypothermia trying to get across town to get yeah. to the goddamn movie theater. <laughs> 
It really sucked out here. It really did. It was not pleasant. People on my Twitter stream showing pictures of ice that had formed inside their windows in their houses. Well, shit, I don't want to live there. At least we didn't have that going for us. Fuck. All right, so Deadpool, the movie that should never have been. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it should. Yeah, it was, it, it's taken, it took them 11 years to get this. Apparently, that's when people started talking with uh, Ryan Reynolds about it a little bit and okay. he was saying he was interested in it. I mean, the, the timeline that we can officially understand is Ryan Reynolds played Wade Wilson in X-Men Origins Wolverine in yes. 2009. You have a soft spot for that movie. I do because I happened to come across um, a work print of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it leaked to the internet very early, like yeah. two or three months early with so, with incomplete special effects, but mostly completed. Yeah. And somebody put it in our hands at the local comic store. Yes. Um. So that lived on my Zune. Yes, I, I, I own a Zune. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> I, I own a Zune because... My, my boyfriend, who loves me very much, um, oh, okay. was too cheap to get me an iPod. Oh. <laughs> That's not fucking true, and you know it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Objectively. <laughs> right, stop this shit. <laughs> At the time, if you take away, ooh, it's Apple, Steve Jobs, got half a chub, it's white and beautiful, and I, I want to be mugged for my fucking headphones on the subway. Objectively, at the time, the Zune was a superior piece of machinery. I, I if love you don't you buy it, into it, hype and bullshit. It worked fine. It's, it's, it was fine. God Where's my whiskey funnel? <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of listening. Like, fine, you're going to play the music? All right, I'll tell the story. <laughs> the, the music is there for when you tell stories about your horrible fucking childhood. <laughs> I got to Zune when I was in my 30s. <laughs> I know, but... In 2016, the idea of owning a Zune is laughable. In 2009, it was a superior piece of equipment, <laughs> and I'll stand by that, goddammit. No, it's fine. It's fine. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Happy Valentine's Day, baby. <laughs> so it was, it was, um, I was on a trip out of the country, and it was, it was a nice piece of, of Americana to have <laughs> when I was sick of, of dealing with, with, not American culture. I enjoyed the trip that I was on very much for the most part, but there were times I needed to retreat and hear English. <laughs> the moral of the story is that Amanda hates Italians. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> I didn't even name the country. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're beautiful people. Um, someday we'll go back. Amanda doesn't hate Italians. I'm Italian. Uh, <laughs> Christ, I hope you don't hate Italians. Jesus. Yeah. Are you living a lie? <laughs> I love everyone. I um <laughs> Oh bullshit you do. <laughs> you got a revenge list as long as John Holmes' third leg. <laughs> no, I have I have no beef with, with Italy um as a, a country or a people, so oh, all right, so you <laughs> you support the Axis powers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say what year. I mean okay. All right. All right. The the point is Amanda has a soft spot. For Wolverine, because I watched his shit done. Yes, even though it is objectively not a good terrible. movie, it is not, not a good, good. movie. Uh, and Wade Wilson in X Men Origins Wolverine is particularly fucking terrible. They took the Merc with the mouth and sewed his lips shut. Well, actually, no, as Wade Wilson, um, Ryan Reynolds was great. The problem was when they turned that they turned Wade into Deadpool. Yeah, number one swapped in a body double. Yeah. And yeah, made him yeah with his mouth sewn shut. Yeah, and adamantium katana claws. It out was of the, stupid. It's it was a terrible part of the movie. It's the worst part of the X Men Origins Wolverine game. 
which otherwise is a fucking spectacular video game. <laughs> but that last part, fighting Deadpool, I think I tuned out. I'm like, you know, let's assume I killed him. Let's assume <laughs> I killed him, and I will play Fallout 3. It was it was a good strategy at the time. Yeah, after that, it kind of stalled everything. Nobody wanted that version of Deadpool, even though that was the post credit scene in that movie, if you've never seen it. You lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> was Deadpool coming up through the gravel like, no, oh, I'm not dead. Or, no, you, you stay down. Just stay the fuck down. But Ryan Reynolds, he still wanted to make the movie. And so there was enough interest. Uh, a script got produced. And in like 2010, 2011, Tim Miller, who's the head of Blur Studios, which is a special effects shop, did a test scene with Reynolds and CGI, which is basically in large part the opening scene on the highway from the movie mm. uh, just to sort of show what the action could look like. And then that was kind of it. And so at some point in 2012, I think, at some convention or another, Rob Liefeld said, oh, I've seen it and it's awesome, but it's Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if it's something he thought of, it's glorious. Extremely awesome. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Extremely awesome with pouches and hearts and cherries. And, and two X's in the extreme. Yeah. yeah so... <laughs> So that was it, but then in mid-2014, uh, some shitty low-def footage of that test sequence leaked to the internet, and a couple days later, the high-def version leaked, and everyone involved with making it said, nope, not it, I didn't fucking do it, I didn't leak it. <laughs> I think to this day, nobody has copped to being the one who leaked it. Uh, yeah. Some people have a theory that uh, Sony said, fuck it, put some online and see if anybody pays any attention to see if we want to do it. Right. Well, the internet blew up, and... The, the flick got greenlit. Right. Five years after it should have died an ignominious death because of <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine with Tim Miller directing it with a, a script by the guys who wrote Zombieland. It was offered to a bunch of other directors. It's just that the project took so long to get made that it sort of like went from one person to the next person. Like David Goyer was attached to it for a while. <laughs> David Goyer has been attached to every superhero movie ever. Um, Amazing Man from D. Yeah, I think he was on that. Four Bush Man. David, David Gore said a piece of every every superhero movie. He's got right of first, first refusal for every superhero movie. Um, Rodriguez. Um, Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez was attached. He passed on it actually to do another Spy Kids movie. <laughs> that was a wise choice. <laughs> hey, look, when it comes to anything that comes out of Troublemaker Studios, he may, he can make it on the cheap. Yeah. So it, it, we got one good Sin City movie out of that <laughs> studio. True. Yeah, movie is out. If you're listening to this, you probably saw it. Fuck it, we'll talk about it anyway. We're going to spoil the shit out of it on the off chance you haven't seen it. Apparently it had like a huge weekend, like defying all expectations, like best President's Day weekend record it now has. It's like 150 million they're projecting. uh, Highest R-rated movie premiere maybe ever, at least in February. Uh, Certainly the highest uh, premiere from a first-time director with an R-rated movie. (laughs) So yeah, it's breaking records all over the place, which actually surprised me because I've always had this theory and I thought this movie might be caught in it. You get these geek properties Mm -hmm. that everybody in genre fandom gets excited about. You you got your Firefly, your Scott Pilgrim, your Watchmen, and there's a lot of buzz on the internet from the genre. Everybody's, yes, this is what we always wanted. An R-rated Deadpool? Yes. Give it to me. As much gore and profanity. Give me everything. And that movie winds up making a ceiling of $30 million. Yeah. Usually 20 to $30 million. That's what Serenity got. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim got, yeah, I think $20 million. 
Watchmen opening weekend was 30, and it went above 30, but it dropped way the fuck off in its second and third week. Mm -hmm. So that's always sort of been my operating theory. If there's no greater buzz across the world, but it's just comic fans or sci-fi fans, that's your ceiling. Yeah. Clearly, I was fucking wrong on that. And I'm glad for reasons we'll talk about later. I think it helped that they had a, a very smart marketing campaign. And, and Ryan Reynolds was everywhere as Deadpool. Like, there's YouTube footage of him um, out there as Deadpool for Halloween. Like, <laughs> Does it, the one thing that I saw, and I forget where I saw it. Oh, the uh, PSAs? Well, no, the PSAs were good. <laughs> yeah, the, the testicular cancer PSAs. Yeah. When Deadpool tells you to grope yourself... <laughs> I guess you grope yourself. <laughs> Luckily, I was already doing it while I was watching the Well, you yeah, know, cancer is near and dear as a cause to Wade Wilson's heart. <laughs> that is true. That's the one place I think he didn't have cancer yeah, in the movie. You're right. Um, no, I was talking about the, the story, and I forget where I read it, so I'm probably not going to be able to link to it. So uh, this is hearsay, but the story that on the last day of shooting, he decided, you know, I tried to get this movie made for X number of years. I'm, I'm keeping the suit. So he just went out toward his car in the suit <laughs> and one of the production assistants or whatever and said, you know, hey, d d don't forget you're still wearing the suit. He looked at him and said, you try and take it from me <laughs> and went home and he still has, has the suit. The suit. <laughs> that's that's the story. And I forget where I saw it. So well, I think it's consider that the source who's drinking. Coupled with um, if, if IMDb trivia is also to be believed, the original incarnation of the suit was built um, so that it had a layer of, of superhero muscle in it so that you put it on and you look buff. Oh, yeah. Like they had the to actually take it out because Reynolds was already so buff. It made him look Liefeldish like huge. Hey, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is no Michael Keaton. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds can provide his own muscles. He's a goddamn handsome man. Don't you think I don't know? I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. Actually, I can't. I'm in terrible shape. <laughs> they, so. they need fake muscles, a fucking girdle. <laughs> you like the Flash costume from the early 90s. Yeah, just a big open spot on my back to tuck the fat. It's just... I don't think I'm going to be cast as any superheroes coming up. Even for Bushman, it's like, no, you fat bastard. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to get somebody put together to put the bucket on his head. <laughs> I gather that Colossus in this movie was brought to life by at least two actors, um, possibly three. There's the guy who physically played Colossus. Well, that was a CGI. Well, I mean, somebody had to do the motion capture yeah. for it. Somebody else specifically did the facial acting, and then somebody did the voice dubbing. Hey, good. for what? It, this is the first time Colossus has done shit. Yeah. And like <laughs> seven, 10, 22 X-Men movies. Right. And actually, they uh, they originally offered it to the kid who played Colossus in X-Men 2 and 3, but he didn't like the fact that somebody was going to dub over his lines, so he said no. Uh, it makes sense with the, the voice they got. He's supposed to be Russian. Yeah. They got the world's thickest Russian accent. Oh, God, yes. So, <laughs> so, no, I thought Colossus was fine. All right. So let's talk about the movie in, in general. Okay. Look, and I'll cop to the fact I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan in the world. I I read the book. You read it more often than I do. A lot of times it yeah. sort of falls within the polls, but it's I get it basically on your behalf. Or do we have it on a poll? I think we no, I think we just grab it from okay. the, the the stand. Yeah, it's a look. I I read it. I miss it sometimes. No, I I have fun reading it. 
and part of why I miss it sometimes is, God, it feels like it's out every week. If, <laughs> if it's not Deadpool, it's Deadpool, Night of the Living Deadpool. Core, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like 46 Deadpool books, and I just, I forget which one I'm getting. It's the, the Jerry Dugan one yes. is the one I'm liking right now. I'm finding his higher profile post-Secret Wars gig in uh, Jerry Duggan's Uncanny Avengers interesting if mm. kind of hard to believe. I don't believe Deadpool necessarily is a, it was it was hard enough believing Deadpool as a thunderbolt <laughs> with Punisher and yeah. Electra and Red Hulk. You know, Deadpool's not a team player. He's not, but they they have this whole thing going on in in his other book where he's it's it's like the Harley Quinn like you know pool of Harleys. It's <laughs> he's got okay. like a whole bunch of like you know mercs for hire and none of them get along particularly well. And yeah, I've I've read a few ensue. of those. <laughs> so so yeah, the idea that he's suddenly rich. Yeah, it's, it's off of his own merchandising because the characters become so popular. So that's the <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's fun, it, but it, it's not a character where it's like oh ever since the beginning it's because he debuted in the '90s and I've said a million times in the '90s with the Image Revolution. Yeah. That, I read mostly Vertigo comics. So that's okay. Really, since Daniel Way took over the book. And I enjoyed that run a lot. Yeah, that, that's the first time I paid any attention to Deadpool. And that works out because the version in the movie is really kind of consistent with the one that Daniel Way wrote. There's the repeated breaking of the fourth wall, mm -hmm. constant wisecracking. The foul mouth, I imagine, to separate him from Spider-Man, because God knows the costume doesn't. <laughs> right. Uh, there's at least one Jimmy Chonga reference in the movie. So, yeah, I mean, in general, I, I had fun with it. Yeah, I, I I laughed out loud, starting with the credits, the, the pseudo-credit scene at the beginning, where... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's moving slow motion through the car wreck Deadpool's involved in. It said starring, what, a big fake... Yeah, something like that. <laughs> directed by a loser yeah. with obligatory English villain and shit like that. CGI character. Yeah, one CGI character. <laughs> yeah. One cameo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of the gag, spoilers. Wolverine is not in this movie, but he's referenced at least twice, and you see Hugh Jackman's face in a couple of places. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of couple of interesting nods number one in that same opening sequence where whatever they said about an overblown hollywood star it showed the people magazine sexiest man alive cover for ryan reynolds yeah. <laughs> and then later on uh, you see the same cover when it was Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman yeah interesting kind of cameo at the very end <laughs> but not really him right there, there was the obligatory stanley cameo which is one of the more inspired stanley cameos <laughs> I, I think in any of these yeah i'm trying to think of one this <laughs> Yeah, when you think of Stan Lee as Marvel's hype man, <laughs> there may not be a better Stan Lee cameo in another Marvel movie. Yeah, he he's a, a DJ at a strip club. <laughs> I try not to spoil everything, Amanda. Jesus Spoiling Christ. everything, everything. Uh, all right, assume everything's going to be spoiled. I will try to pry Amanda's foot off the accelerator. You don't actually get to see Marina Baccarin's tits. You see a lot of her naked, but you don't get to see her tits. You've ruined it for me because I was convinced I saw her tits. Was this a Psycho-style cutting exercise? I think so. Uh, not where somebody cut up Marina Baccarin like in Psycho, but I was convinced in that one scene. I'm pretty sure we... Uh, I think his hands were on him. Uh, all right. You know what? You just killed the box office for this week. <laughs> it's going to drop off by 90% in the second week. Thanks for nothing, Amanda. I could be wrong. We'll have to go see it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
now you know. Now you're gonna know what I'm looking for. That's not gonna work out for me at all. I'm a ruiner. Uh, I ruin things. Yeah, it's <laughs> fuck. All right. So yeah, I mean, that part I enjoyed. the The problem I had is there's really kind of two movies going on here. Uh, one of them is one of them is the the straightforward action. He's already Deadpool. He's hunting down Francis. Yes. Uh, and, but we keep flashing back to his origin and that worked, uh, that didn't work nearly as well for me. I, I think they were trying to, yeah, it was, just, they were following the standard formula of, all right, first we have to have the origin story, then we have to have the obligatory bad guy gets beat up. Um, well, it's, I'll give him, I'll give him this. By having a newer origin story, they could completely put aside the origin from X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. Uh, and I did like in the movie, there were a couple of quick scenes that at least nodded toward, yeah, okay, this character was in this terrible, awful other thing. Yeah. There's the uh, the thing where Francis says he should s- sew his wage mouth, mouth shut. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> And uh, there, there's a point where Deadpool says, oh, things can always be worse. And it cuts to an action figure of the Wolverine version of Deadpool with the katana arms and his mouth showed shut. Yeah. And in the background, you hear um, Wilson say, it's my most treasured possession. And then it gets tossed aside in favor of a, a, a Wham album. Yeah. <laughs> George Michael doesn't give a shit about that album. I, I had that album, but only because a friend copied her copy. Oh, sure. Whatever. No, it's true. Yeah. No, I, I was only holding it for a friend. <laughs> it's not mine. Please don't that call the police. That on one side of my, my 90 minute audio cassette and the other side, I think it was Tears for Fears. <laughs> that at least is kind of acceptable. <laughs> There's one or two songs there that I would be caught dead listening to. I don't know. My friend was a giant George Michael fan. I didn't have MTV or anything like that. She called me when the I Want Your Sex video debuted. And she held wait, her... Wait, wait, wait. She, she called me when <laughs> the I Want Your Sex video debuted, when, when Michael was now a solo act. And I, I didn't have MTV. She, she held her phone up to her television and was like, you wouldn't believe this! And I'm like, I can barely hear it, Chrissy. And, and she was describing the, the video and I, I I want to have MTV. I, I want my MTV. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we have all the channels now. Fuck you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the channels, and now they don't play music on MTV. <laughs> Sometimes you do live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda childhood, everybody. Hulk theme will live for all <laughs> stories of Amanda's childhood because they're all stone bummers. Ah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the hunt for Francis part of the movie where we got the full blast cocky wisecracking Deadpool is probably as much fun as I've had watching a superhero movie since Avengers. Yeah. It's fun, real kinetic action. There's some great fucking lines. I just took note of a couple of them. I'm, I'm going to do to your face what Limp Biscuit did to music in the 90s. Yep. Um, the best to his blind roommate, uh, was a blind Al. Yeah. Uh, who at one point, I think it was, uh, at the time I thought it was Nichelle Nichols, but I think from the That's, credits it was Leslie Uggams. It is Leslie Uggams. At one point she's in a laundromat going, I miss cocaine. And this, 
<laughs> just before Deadpool goes into final action against Francis, he, he says to her, there's 137 pounds of cocaine buried somewhere in this apartment, and it's right next to the cure for blindness. Happy hunting. <laughs> Um, and then Weasel follows it with, let's go get fucked up. Yeah, get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> there were some smart directing choices to make Deadpool constantly forget his guns and ammunition. Yes. It's going into each battle. He's forgotten his ammo bag. He's forgotten his bag, his Hello Kitty bag full of <laughs> machine guns. It makes sense because if you give Deadpool too many guns, you, you got a Rambo movie. He right. stands there and mows everybody down. Take those guns away. You're forced to show them in more dynamic, physical, kinetic action. It's a lot more exciting. Yes. So, yeah, in your head you picture, oh, Deadpool, he's going to have a machine gun. And I think this worked a lot better. It was a better choice. Absolutely. Now, I've read in various places that part of that was the budget kept getting cut. So, it's yes. like, all right, we had to cut this and cut this. And They had a budget roughly of $58 million. And apparently it was a little bit more. Somewhere along the lines, like they lost $7 million of their budget. It got slashed. <laughs> but it just vanished? Yeah. yeah somebody um, grifted that. Where and, and and Reynolds' character makes fun of it throughout the course of the movie. He, you know, he'll say things like, what, there, there's only two X-Men here at, at Xavier's? It's like, it's like the studio couldn't afford more X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those cases where it, it, it's the argument everybody makes with George Lucas. The minute he had the money and the computers to make anything he wanted to appear on screen, the movie started to suck. Yeah. It was the limitations of how am I going to accomplish this? I can't quite accomplish this, but I can do this other thing that made Star Wars great and made a lot of early science fiction movies great. Right. So, yeah, if that's what affected this, I think they got a better movie because of it. Then I think we should be a little afraid that, oh, wow, this clearly I've heard the second movie's already greenlit. Yeah, and they're talking about having cable. And I don't give a fuck about cable. But then again, I nobody didn't. gives a fuck about cable. Rob Liefeld gives a fuck about cable. It's nice to like things. Yeah, I <laughs> extreme. Yeah, <laughs> two X's, <laughs> three pouches. E's, more pouches, more fucking pouches. No feet, <laughs> no feet. Yeah, I don't care. about Show me it. on the foot where it touched you, Rob. <laughs> I've said before, <laughs> I uh, in the last trade. Of Suicide Squad. They're, DC's re-releasing the early Suicide Squads in trade. Volume 2, uh, the Nightshade uh, Operation, or I forget exactly yeah. what it's called. But it has an early Rob Liefeld secret origins of Nightshade, <laughs> where he's got Nightshade and some other character shaking hands. And they're shaking hands, one with the right hand, one with the left hand. So it's a the same hand and some weird, awkward grip. You know, because yeah. you, you normally reach across and shake somebody's opposite fucking hand. That's a normal thing to do in the world. His anatomy was fucked from the beginning. Yeah. Extreme. Yeah. I've completely lost the thread now. But <laughs> yes, I found it again. I, I would be concerned that, okay, now we know it's a hit. Here's all that seven million plus extra. Do whatever you want. Right. You give too many resources to something, you can start to cause problems. I think, though, the the voice of sanity in it, in, in terms of, of keeping the ship on track, will be Reynolds. He loves and cares about this character so much that he said he's not going to do any other super superhero franchises. Well, he's been burned by every other superhero franchise he ever goddamn touched. True. But there is such a level of love that he has for this character that I, I think that if a movie starts to go sideways, he'll say something. 
<laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. maybe. He, he didn't say it to the director of Green Lantern, clearly. <laughs> well, that didn't take 11 years to get made. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It'll take 11 years to get another one. Unless my original rebirth theory is, oh no, it's just going to be a Green Lantern movie. Shit. That's not going to be 11 years till we get another one because we're going to see Green Lantern probably in Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I'm not even sure that he looked at Jeff Bridges on the set of R.I.P.D. and said, what the fuck did we do? That was a much better movie, I think, than I get credit for. Yeah. It's it's a good Saturday I'm drinking some beer movie. Yeah. And as I've said about a lot of things, it won't make you any smarter. <laughs> no, we certainly don't need another one. But it had its moments. Yeah. It's this is certainly the first superhero hit. Yes. So one would hope he'd defend it, because otherwise it's back to rom coms, buddy. <laughs> it's gonna be you and Kate Hudson in some vaguely romantic city, Herc. pretending you give a fuck about each other. <laughs> you will be a slob and difficult to, to bring places. She will be an exacting shrew <laughs> who just really wants to be loved. <laughs> And when she lets down that prickly exterior, you'll be there for her, man. <laughs> it'll be just like, it'll, it'll be, you know, I've decided, guys, can we, can we just remake Sleepless in Seattle? Everything else is getting a, a reboot. Let's, let's do, do that. Okay. It'll be Ryan Reynolds and Kira Knightley and, and you know, maybe not in Seattle this time. Maybe we'll set it somewhere more exotic in Fiji. Sleepless in Fiji. And <laughs> that's a whole different movie. <laughs> For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> That's the movie. <laughs> anyway. So ho hopefully he, he will... <laughs> look, he was already a producer on this one. So yeah, hopefully right. hopefully he'll be able to keep everything reined in and fun. And hopefully we'll be done with... Uh, we'll, we'll be... <laughs> all right. But before I start bitching too much uh, about the origin part, stuff that I also liked uh, about the movie... Really fun. I they went hard R with it. Yeah, they did. With Deadpool, you need fun over the top gore. The that dude in the opening sequence who's getting wedgie to death <laughs> off of his motorcycle. That was glorious. That's it. Right after Deadpool tells Colossus, "Hey, nobody got hurt," and the dead guy falls off the traffic sign. And he just bonelessly lands <laughs> on a truck with a bong. And Deadpool's like, "I think that guy was here before I got here." That was awesome. <laughs> Deadpool spelling Francis with dead people and dotting the eye with a decapitated head. I will say this one one perhaps misstep. You have a, a villain who's named Francis who's clearly oversensitive about the fact that he's named Francis. How can you not take a moment at some point in this movie to say lighten up Francis? I did miss that. <laughs> I did miss that. <laughs> Just saying. Every time he said, my name's Ajax, somebody should have said lighten up Francis. <laughs> There's probably some outtakes. We'll probably see that as bonus footage, I would hope, on, on a DVD or something. Yeah, I would hope so, because, yeah, that, that was kind of a, a missed golden opportunity. But uh, all right. In terms of the gore, like the, I think the bit that spoke to me the most it was uh, Deadpool sawing off his own arm and making jokes about 127 hours, and then Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which is a book about your first period. <laughs> the is that blood what... sprays Colossus's <laughs> face. <laughs> I didn't get that reference because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a dude and I uh, I gave up on Ryan Judy Bloom with Super Fudge. Ryan Reynolds, you know, he, he knows about the ladies. He likes to put a little something in there for, for us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a smooth pimp that loves the pussy. <laughs> and Judy Bloom. And Judy Bloom, apparently. <laughs> See, I would, my guess was that 
<laughs> was actually a book about a girl's first period. <laughs> so I think my interpretation was probably, no, shit. My interpretation <laughs> was it was a girl who attempted suicide. <laughs> I could see, I could see where you would, yeah. So yeah, mine I think was fun. No, then again, I immediately grafted to first period. All right, that was funnier. Never mind. <laughs> I've been out of comedy for a while. My instincts are a little rusty. It's, it's okay, hun. But uh, yeah, so keeping it hard R with the gore and the profanity. All right, that felt like the Deadpool I've read in the comics. I really liked Deadpool's relationship with Weasel, mm-hmm. TJ Miller, the the bartender at the bar. Number one, I like the idea of that bar. The first thing that it was named like Sister Mary Margaret's School for Wayward Girls. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a bar full of assassins and mercenaries. I also liked it clearly that this place was just sort of a clearing house for Mercs. Yeah. yeah. Where, where Weasel, he just, he'll put a golden card in your hand, um, or he'll put up uh, jobs to bid and give the card to whoever. And then he's the one who handles the payout. So everyone congregates here and there's this whole world and economy just working sort of in the shadows off the street. It felt very John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it implied a, a big lived in world that had its own rules, even though it's the same world as the X-Men it was a lot it. of good, sh- like, shortcut for, for world building. Yeah. And, and just the idea that, yes, this is all normal and thought out, and all these guys know each other, and all of them protect each other, and just this is how it works. And you pick the jobs that you want, and Deadpool happens to like the jobs where he helps people. Yeah. And he won't take the money, and that's an acceptable thing, and the money can be re- <laughs> rerouted <laughs> through this just foul-mouthed loser who also, on top of all this... Everyone's close enough. It's like, okay, and we're running a Deadpool so you can bid on which one of your friends is going to die first. Yeah. It just it, it gave the idea of this world within the Fox version of the Marvel Universe that, right. that I kind of liked. Yeah, it's and those guys just had good lines with each other. Right. And a good chemistry. Yeah, and, and I... <laughs> your, your, your face implies horror. It's like Freddy Krueger fucked a topographic map of Utah or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, there were some really excellent lines in there. And it becomes, you know, crystal clear, even if you weren't sure about it by the end of the movie. Weasel's got some resources. He's not just a, a wisecracking bar guy who helps people make connections. Oh, no, he's a fixer. He's a fixer. He, he All the guns. Yeah. <laughs> he has all the guns. Yeah, so which guns you need? All of them. Okay. okay. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at the moment of truth, he's off to face Francis, and Weasel says, "I'd go with you, but I don't want to." <laughs> <laughs> it's a, they had, they had a good chemistry, and and I like T.J. Miller yeah. at least in these kind of roles. Yeah, and I, once you get beyond that, now we're into the origin story, and I like that a shitload less because it was completely unnecessary. You don't need to have an origin story. And I know there's an origin story in the comics, and that's fine. But number one, you've already fucked up his origin story in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Right. And again, at least the new origin overwrites that. But And maybe that's why they did it. You still you don't need to. You don't need to because you've got a character who understands that he's in a movie. He understands that he's in a comic book. He references Ryan Williams as a shitty actor. Ryan Reynolds. Our, what what I say? Williams. Oh, he, he sucks too. Who's Ryan Williams? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Was I thinking Remo Williams? Because he's maybe. terrible also. <laughs> But no, he references Ryan, all right, Ryan Reynolds, sorry, as a shitty actor. Uh, when, when they want to bring him to Professor X, he says, Stuart or McAvoy. It makes a difference. <laughs> when you get a character that understands he's in a comic book, you don't need an origin. The origin is, you know, hey, what's your story? Liefeld needed beer money and free Levi 501s. <laughs> that's all you need. You're done. 
You can just <laughs> go forward with it. And part of that comes from, I've been reading a lot of early Ambush Bug ah. over the last couple of weeks. Does and Ambush Bug have an origin? It changes every time he says it. <laughs> it's His name is Erwin Schwab. Maybe. <laughs> Otherwise, every time he tells his origin, it's different. Because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, the, no, I, 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 I see where you're going with that. I think they were trying to... Tell a story in which they they rebooted the origin and they gave a character who is likable because he's Woody, even though he does these horrible things. Uh, they were trying to give it, whether it needed or, needed it or not, um, heart. I can understand that, but it, it didn't need it. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying I, I think the vision with, was. <laughs> I, I get what the vision is, but what was really added by the love story with Marina Baccarin? The the revenge over what was done to his face, you don't even need that. The, the minute you have somebody who understands that they are in a movie or a comic book and that things are therefore stakeless because it's just a story, that's your excuse for cartoonish violence because why the fuck not? It's not real. We're all acknowledging it's not real, both the viewer and the character. You don't need, oh, I'm motivated because I lost the love of my life. Who gives a shit? I don't know. I I think I think it's interesting that he he has a girlfriend that he gets to hold on to. I, I assuming she comes back for the the second yeah. one, but but I mean, I suppose they could have you know cut straight to the chase, left out the origin story, and then maybe done the arc from Daniel Way's run where uh, the villain is composed of of body parts that Wade Wilson has lost. Over the years, that have all found themselves and coalesced together into Evil Deadpool. Oh yeah, the Evil Deadpool—they're <laughs> like the zombies in Evil Dead. That was yeah. a great fucking story, and you could do that right out of the gate, I suppose. But it, for me, I, I kept thinking about Ambush Bug while I was watching this because early, early on with Ambush Bug, he was kind of a legitimate villain. He killed somebody at one point, but a lot of what, even his in his earliest appearances was he saw through the comic book bullshit like the first time he meets clark kent he's like you're superman you can't possibly be fooling anybody with this can you <laughs> when he meets supergirl the first time he sees her alter ego it's like no lose the wig you were much hotter in the in, when you were blonde with the and, and that's and even that's only after somebody finally convinced him it wasn't superman in a blonde wig and a dress <laughs> it's like no you're superman you're my buddy and yeah, my favorite Deadpool moments are the ones where he's seeing through all the comic book crap and he's commenting on it while still in the middle of this dynamic, fun fight sequence. And this movie has some of that. So you don't need the big origin story where he's got to get his cancer cured so he can stay with the love of his life. It doesn't really matter. Does it humanize him? Kind of, but he's already kind of humanized because he's one of us. He's one of us in the sense that we all know we're watching this spectacle. And we all know that we're all going to go home and these are all actors yeah. and it's just a big cartoon story. It might have been them trying to play it safe to a certain degree. Like they, they were already going out on such a limb with the over the top humor and violence and gore <clears throat> in this movie that perhaps they felt compelled to, all right, let's, let's tell the origin story. Let's establish them as a, as a person, to, a, a couple to root for. Um, let's make sure that we include um, these X-Men characters so that we can have some comment on heroism when this character is very decidedly not a hero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have no doubt it was that. And it, it makes sense. 
they were going out on a certain limb with this. You're doing a hard R movie about a character that has nowhere near the name recognition of Spider-Man. Yeah. If I asked my dad, what do you know about Deadpool? He'd be like, yeah, Eastwood movie from 1988. That was <laughs> the last Dirty Harry movie. That's, yeah. that's where the fucking name came from. So, yeah, they were going on a limb with it, and I get why they did it. But part of me's holding out hope for that ambush bug movie someday. <laughs> and there are other characters that are potentially similar that you could do similar things with. And I'm just, as a voice from the wilderness, because all the producers <laughs> listen to our show, you don't need to do it. The minute they know they're in a cartoon story, that's their origin. I'm just here. I'm just here. And we're all just having fun for, for this love story. Oh my God. I found this hooker with a heart of gold in a bar. Then we fell in love. You know, it would have been even better if he was doing all this stuff to protect Marina Bacharin because she was an RN Firefly. <laughs> have the character still be this woman, Vanessa. She's still part of this world, but Deadpool keeps calling her Marina and asking her if she can really unhinge her jaw and like in V because he'd marry her if she can really do that with her mouth. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm Vanessa. It's like, come on, Marina. I loved you in uh, whatever the last, uh, in, Homeland or whatever. Aren't you also on Gotham? How are you in two major publishing house stories at once? Yeah, you could have had great shit with that by just completely chucking the idea that, aren't oh, no, this is sleeping with the... Jim Gordon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have her humor him. It's like, fine, you can call me Morena when he takes the mask off. That would have been awesome. Certainly more awesome than we played skee-ball and I got you a Voltron ring. I didn't realize you could throw overhand and skee ball like that. I'll have to try that next time. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> and you hire your own lawyer when it ricochets <laughs> off the rubber ring and because it will, you know, fires off some kid's forehead. That would that would be my luck. Yeah, no you don't want to take one of those balls to the face like that. If it's anything like my experience in field hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to be careful with balls to the face. For Ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a movie to talk about where balls to the face go. But yeah, just the, the origin story, that's, that's where it dragged for me. And certainly Reynolds did his best. There was a sense of humor through the whole thing. It wasn't boring. It was just, uh, this isn't unnecessary. I want to get back to the, to the, what amounts to the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. With decapitations. That was the cool shit. Those are the money shots. Ryan Reynolds in a Betty White t-shirt <laughs> walking through the alley looking for his girlfriend. That's all was right. It Betty White? I thought it was a B. Arthur one because Deadpool has a historical love for the Golden Girls and then, specifically B. Arthur. I don't watch Golden Girls. I, I've i had two beers. It was a Golden Girl. <laughs> Probably oh, B. Arthur. Give you that. All right. Maybe it was B. Arthur. <laughs> Might have been Betty White. Don't nip See, now it. we have two reasons to go back and watch it. We will We will see it again. Three if you count each of Marina Baccarin's tits individually. Would you say she has three tits? What? No, because B. Arthur t-shirt and then the two. <laughs> it's math. <laughs> Not good at math. Beauty this idea. movie was shot in 3B. Three beers and it looks good, eh? <laughs> I got nothing. Any other particular thing about the movie that you want I enjoyed the movie. I, I enjoyed the movie. I laughed for more of it than I didn't. So just on that basis. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to give the impression I didn't like it. I had a lot of fun with it. I think they copped out in certain ways they didn't have to. And hopefully this will give the entire team the stones to say, you know what? This only has to make exactly as much sense as it takes to get from point A to point B to point C. Mm -hmm. We don't need backstory. Fuck motivation. He is a mercenary. Here is your check. 
And then everything just spins out of that. Yeah. He says a million times in this, I'm not a hero. That is one thing that bothered me. I'm not a hero. I'm not a superhero. I'm not a hero. But the first time we see him as a mercenary, he's kind of a hero. He's like, I'm not taking her money and I'll get rid of this stalker. (laughs) That's not a good business plan for a professional. True. Um, I, I... I don't know. I mean, how how was he making ends meet then if he wasn't taking the money? There must have been some gigs where he was taking the money. Oh, I would imagine, but we don't see it. We <laughs> right. see him take a hero gig as he's protesting, I'm not a hero. Yeah, well, I, I think you can do heroic things and maybe not identify yourself as a hero. But if we go with the the theory that your actions are what defines you, you can you can protest till you're blue in the face. But... <laughs> I suppose... <laughs> It was it was a storytelling thing that bothered me. Yeah. That said, we have a killer. He's a killer. He's a fun killer. He's got a good sense of humor. He's a killer. Yeah. You know, you're walking it back by trying to, okay, but he's a killer who doesn't really kill until he's Deadpool because we don't see him kill anybody. And he's, you know, well, no, that's not true. He was a special forces soldier, and we know that he had um, a fairly high kill count before he was discharged. Yeah, and then he says it, he's changed, which is fine. Look, it's fine. I'm saying it's not necessary. You're trying to humanize a cartoon character. If yeah. there is anybody besides Ambush Bug who is a cartoon character in a major universe of comics, it's Deadpool. You don't need to have all these motivations. For Christ's sake, the only reason we know his name is Wade Wilson is... So that we can wink and go, we all know this is a ripoff of Slade Wilson, the Terminator. Yeah. That's the only reason he's got a name. Yeah. I thought the the choice to include any of the X-Men at all was interesting. Again, I think you you hit it on the head. It was a hedge. Yeah. Even though it was two X-Men we've never seen before. And and I agree with Deadpool. Negasonic Teenage Warhead, when Grant Morrison came up with the name, is still one of the greatest superhero names he's ever come up with. Yeah. I have no idea if the version that was in this is even remotely related to the one in his new X-Men because I haven't reread that in a long time. But. I believe it is not um, based on, on what I read. I haven't I haven't read it in a long time. Uh, that character is supposed to be a telepath and um, have precognition, which doesn't really you know play out very well in that, the movie. That's not exciting to <laughs> shoot him up. No. <laughs> so, I, yeah, they, they gave her a completely different power set. Um, originally, they were thinking about going with Cannonball as, as the... <laughs> I can't even picture Cannonball. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to guess because Jubilee is already being used in another movie. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't they just go with Boom Boom? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because they're saving Boom Boom for the next wave comic, the next wave movie that I fucking demand from Marvel Studios. They should have gone with Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I don't have a next wave movie is like this. Where's my next wave movie? Oh, what, what, what's coming out? Batman vs. Super? Okay. Once upon a time, I read a book by Warren Ellis. It's called <laughs> Next Wave, Agents of Hate. It was a very good book. In, in it, Monica Rambo led a group of mutants, and there was an alcoholic robot named Machine Man. I'm an alcoholic. They fought broccoli men. <laughs> I miss that book every day. <laughs> Dirk Anger is arguably one of the greatest anti-hero, supervillain-type characters to grace the screen. Not the screen. Not yet. Because we don't have a next wave movie. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Why why don't we have a next wave movie? (laughs) (laughs) 
Because you know what villain is next in the pipe? What? I ruined it. I ruined it. You ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I I enjoyed this movie. I one thing that I guess was confirmed for me was that uh, Gina Carano should just stick to roles like this um, because if they actually give her lines where she has to say things and emote, it just doesn't work. So I guess I'm glad that she doesn't get to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> was she uh, Angel? Yes, Angel she Dust? was Angel Dust. Okay. Yeah, she she did a fine job doing all of the the punching and kicking and, and generally being like the, the heavy tough, but yeah, she can't act. <laughs> uh, she was a secondary character. I didn't... Uh, you're right. She didn't set my world on fire. She certainly had the physicality of that particular role. I believe that she could punch the fucking balls off of Colossus. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for for all of the actual physical stuff, she, she did fine. She can't act. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a lesson to this movie. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> there's a lot of dick punching in this movie. <laughs> there really is. Dick punching and being shot, not just in the ass, in the asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It went down Main Street, as Wade put it. Yes. <laughs> Should have said up Main Street. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, her physicality was fine. You know, the, the nature of the role and the size of it. She was certainly not a glaring, oh, my God, what a suck fest yeah. of acting. <laughs> <laughs> like that MetLife ad we keep seeing on our local cable <laughs> news. Just terrible acting. Oh, your father's thinking. <laughs> Grandpa left us some life insurance. That's Grandpa, smart and sensitive. <laughs> and then they play the Snoopy theme. I feel dirty about the whole thing. Watch <laughs> this be a New England only thing, or probably is. Our European listeners are like, what, "What's this? What's I it's can't just, do an English it's, accent." It's an insanely poorly written and acted life insurance agency ad <laughs> with uh, Snoopy as his mascot. <laughs> And Charles Schultz is glad he's dead. Anyway. Nobody yanked the way of football here. Somebody died. (laughs) (laughs) You Snoopy with it? He was wrong and you knew it. Don't use Snoopy to sell death. (laughs) (laughs) They're selling death, goddammit. Don't use Snoopy to sell death. Use Wade Wilson. (laughs) Exactly. They can't afford Wade Wilson. It's true. They could have afforded him on Tuesday. Can't afford him today. (laughs) One thing that made me... Anything specific about the movie? And then I'll, I'll talk about the goon. No, I just, I, I enjoyed it. So just from, I mean, it's not going to make you any smarter. <laughs> I'm looking forward to when it comes out on Blu-ray so we can watch it here at home multiple times. It, yeah, no, this will definitely be a purchase. Believe it or not, we don't get every superhero movie on Blu-ray. We go true. see most of them, but yeah, we still don't have an X-Men Days of Future Past. And that was actually a pretty good one. I should pick that one up. Yeah, no, what I, what I, I appreciated about it was it, Reynolds clearly loves this character and they, they crafted a movie that was reasonably tight. That, that was true to the character and, and it just came across the, 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 the love for the character came across. Absolutely. And I can't imagine anybody but Ryan Reynolds playing this character. Yeah. Uh, he clearly loves it. There were, like I said, there were two movies here and one of them I didn't like as much. I get why they did it. You've got to hedge your bets. This is a basically unknown quantity outside the world of comics. Yeah. Deadpool has no cross. He's got no Q rating. Yeah. Like I said, my dad doesn't know who he is. So yeah, 
you've got a show. Yep, this takes place in this X-Men universe that you're aware of. And at least you've seen Colossus in other movies. And let's try to make him at least somewhat relatable and you know, give him a an arc with a love story like every other movie. Those parts didn't work nearly as well for me as just you're a cartoon dude and you understand you're in a cartoon, which means you can do anything you want. You are unkillable in a cartoon universe with machine guns. Stick with that. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. You can do anything with that. To be fair, those other parts of it, you don't need them. They were well executed. There was certainly chemistry, I thought, between Reynolds and Marina Baccarin. I yeah. believe they cared about each other. So it's not like it's like, oh, half of this movie is shit. It's like half of this movie is well executed and makes sense, but is not nearly as fun as the other stuff. And they could have just stuck with the other stuff and ramped that up. And I'm hoping that in the sequel, whether there's cable in it or not, yeah, I don't fucking care about cable. But, yeah, stick with that. Just ramp up the, it doesn't matter where he comes from. His motivation is the check. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Would see again. <laughs> <laughs> I said I was going to talk about the goon. The most exciting thing about this for me is if there's anything that is going to get the goon movie made, it's Tim Miller's success with this. Now, a few years ago, and I've talked about it on some previous shows. I think it was 2012. Yep. Uh, Eric Powell, uh, working with Tim Miller at Blur Studios, did a Kickstarter to put together a story reel to try to get people interested in a goon movie that was supposed to be produced by David Fincher, uh, with, uh, who's going to play the goon? Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown voiced the goon and Paul Giamatti voiced Frankie. Frankie. Uh, and yeah, I contributed heavily to this Kickstarter <laughs> because I'm a big fan of the goon and uh, honestly, some of the rewards, yeah, some of the rewards for it, uh, whether, <laughs> whether the movie gets made or not, it's like that's stuff I'd really like to own. Um, <laughs> but I'd really like to see the movie get made. And it's one of those things that if anybody can get it made right now with Tim Miller from Blur having juice from this weekend, having shown that a hard R movie about a comic book character that not everybody in the world is necessary, rem necessarily remotely familiar with. Yeah. And showing he has an eye for, yeah, this is the kind of thing I want to work on. Trust me, I can make money with it. If anything is going to get that movie made, it's going to be this. Yeah. Now, I think the downside to it is I guarantee you he's got first look at the sequel, which is probably our sequel to Deadpool, mm -hmm. which is probably already in pre-production. But hopefully he can take some of the juice that comes off this really financial triumph and point it back at the goon because I really want to see that movie get made. Yeah. No, I think that that would be a great outcome um, if that happens. I, I'm hopeful for um, more hard R movies that don't suck. As, as a result of this. It is, it is tough, man. I'm so tired of PG-13. It's just like. I, I want heads to blow off and dare to see tits and <laughs> just horrible profanity. This show's rated R right out of the gate. <laughs> it really is. This show's rated R by the, you can only say fuck once in a PG-13. We're, we're rated R by our third minute. <laughs> and the first 30 seconds are fucking pre-canned intro. It's true. Uh, my fear is a bunch of shitty hard R movies getting greenlit because, ooh, apparently the American public wants, wants hard R's. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then. 
Yeah, I mean, it still has to be a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as I don't think the origin story needed to be there, that this was a good movie. Yeah, I, I think, I think it was a brave choice to go the hard R route because if I read correctly, this is not getting a release in China, which is a huge market. Um, because they, they felt that there was no way that they could edit this for, all of the things that make it a hard R well, I mean, and still have the story hang together in any way. That's where that $7 million went. It's like, <laughs> we want to do hard R. It's like, all right, well, we got to take a little money back just to hedge our bets. I guarantee that's oh, what I'm happened. sure, yeah. It's a, this was a big gamble for everybody involved, and it really paid off. But you're right. This could be the Michael Keaton Batman moment where, oh, everybody wants X. Let's make the Phantom with Billy Zane. Yeah. No. The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, no, nobody wants that shit. <laughs> People want Batman, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, if my big, my great hope out of this, this gets the goon made and gets DC Films saying, fuck it, Ambush Bug. We've, we got our dead bullies, Ambush Bug. I fucking love Ambush Bug. Ambush Bug gets no love. I, I wonder if Nicolas Cage is watching this movie this weekend <laughs> and just cutting himself to feel. <laughs> no. He's, he's making his own ambush bug mask. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is ambush bug. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I just... When you talk about people who have wanted so badly to be like in a superhero franchise... <laughs> I lost my antenna! <laughs> I'm going to be Superman. No, okay. I'm going to be Ghost Rider. No. Okay. I'm going to be Ambush Bug. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of Nicolas Cage's Ambush Bug. I'd go days without sleep. I'd stand in line in the fucking snow in 10 below zero in Boston yesterday to see Nicolas Cage and the Ambush Bug. My name's Erwin Schwab. <laughs> I, I teleport. <laughs> oh, what a good mood now. Good, good. <laughs> because Nicolas Cage, he's got that bankruptcy around him. So the ambush bug budget just dropped by $10 because <laughs> Nicolas Cage will do it for a hot meal. He will at this point. A, a, a warm room with no phones so the lawyers can't get him for a couple of weeks. <laughs> So yes, get. I hope this movie gets the goon and ambush bug made. <laughs> That's my goal in life. There you go. I mean, some people want, you know, I don't know, like a storm movie or. <laughs> no, fuck that shit. <laughs> You're right. They'd only cast Benedict Cumberbatch anyway. <laughs> so he's he's already doing Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, trust me, he'll do whatever. Yeah, he's, well, he's just got in juice. all the movies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, you want to talk about a couple actual comics? Unless we got anything else about Deadpool? No, it's just it was it was a great movie. It was fun. Um, I'm glad that I saw it. It made me laugh. Yeah, it's uh, the one thing I'll give credit for, and this is not my observation. Uh, I saw this on John Rogers' uh, tweet. He was the, the Boston comedian first, but mm -hmm. showrunner of Leverage. Mm -hmm. Wrote a few comic scripts that uh, I might have seen one or two of them. <laughs> <coughs> Major, <laughs> but uh, he tweeted. Uh, with a lot of the CGI in here, Ryan Reynolds really did as much a good voice acting job mm -hmm. as acting. And it's not so much that I wanted to point out, but the subtle CGI of the mask movements in mm. ways that mask should not have moved, but moved a little bit to show emotion. Yeah. Kind of like when you're reading a Spider-Man comic and Spider-Man's eyes get wide. Well, that doesn't happen. It's a comic book. 
the masks don't do that. You get a little bit of that in this, but it was really restrained and subtle. Yeah. So, to the point where it never popped me up. There were a few times where it's like, that really shouldn't be happening. <laughs> but okay, it's a cartoon. You can't waggle your eyebrows through latex. Yeah, but you know what? The man on the screen talked to me two minutes ago. All the rules are out the window. Yeah. Fine, the mask can move. <laughs> but yeah, there was good subtle on top of the big kinetic <laughs> action scenes, just the subtlety of what was going on with the mask and how much of that was just motion capture. Or, right. I don't know, but it was really well done. Okay. So that's the last thing I got. Anything else on nope, Deadpool? I, I think we've covered it sufficiently. Yeah, this is one that was sort of on my radar and realized in the last couple of weeks, okay, yeah, it's coming out, so we should probably do a show on it, and I was very pleasantly surprised. It was enjoyable. And I hope they take my fucking advice. <laughs> no, chuck the thing like he's a real person. He's Wiley E. Coyote. He's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Let him be Bugs Bunny in the Marvel Universe. That's all you need. Okay. You don't want to know what rabbit Warren Bugs Bunny was born in. You don't give a shit. He comes out of the hole and says, what's up, Doc? Yeah. I don't think I ever thought about Bugs Bunny's origin story. He just is. <laughs> oh, Bugs. I'm a nasty piece of work. <laughs> Ask anybody. Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> let's talk about a couple comics. Which let's... one do you want to do first? Uh, let's, let's talk about public relations. That's okay. sufficiently quirky. We'll, we'll stick with the mode of fun to start with and then we'll move into less fun. Well, Batman. <laughs> well executed, but yeah, certainly less, uh, fun. So yeah. Okay. So, uh, this, <laughs> it's public relations five. Uh, it's written by Matthew Sturgis who did. And Dave Justice. Yeah. But Sturgis did Jack of Fables. If it's a name, it's like, cause I, I spent a day or two of like, uh, I know that fucking name. He did Jack of Fables. Yep. Uh, and Dave Justice with art by David Hahn and Jose Marzan. Okay. Marzan. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway. <laughs> let me start out with this. Uh, this may not be a book that you've heard of. It's by Devil's Due Publishing. And also, this is probably not. We're talking about issue five here. This is probably not the best place to start with this title. No, it's the it's, end of the first arc. Right. And it's, uh, it's the kind of book where it's recap session, uh, recap section rather. It's nothing but the most provocative panel from the last issue. So it really doesn't tell you anything. Right. So you're really not going to know what's going on, but I want to talk about it because it's a book that was really completely off my radar. And mm -hmm. I suspect I'm not alone. And it's one that I think d deserves a little attention because it's, it's it's fun. This book needs some love. Go buy it. Yes. And it's something I had no idea this book even existed until a couple of weeks ago. I was in my local comic store. Uh, Amanda was not there that day. But Joe, who's one of the regular you know Joe. Yes. Uh, he's one of the regulars who I've gotten to know a little bit over the last few years. He asked me if I've heard of it. And Joe's one of those guys that if you're lucky you have at your store, maybe you're not friends. You probably just see each other every Wednesday. But he's got a pretty good taste in books, and he knows the kind of stuff that you buy. So he's got a suggestion every now and then of of something that you might like that you've never heard of. And this is one of those. It, it was one that apparently he hyped up with the store owner saying, from what I've seen, this is going to be a hit. It's just funny and interesting and kind of quirky, and it just has not caught on. It's not something I think I've seen a lot of press about. Yeah. Um, But because Joe hyped it, uh, the owner bought a few issues, so all the issues were in stock, so I was able to pick up the first four. And the fifth issue just came up this week, and God, this is its a just a fun book. I don't think I'd even heard of this publisher before, Devil's Due Comics. 
Yeah, it's one that uh, I've seen around more and more, but it's certainly not an older publisher. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how long they've been around, but I know I've seen other stuff by them, but it's... Look, when I buy my books, I don't care about the publisher all that often. Well, no, it's just I think it's interesting because everybody gets so caught up in, you know, Marvel DC and then maybe they're buying an image book or maybe they're buying an IDW book or Boom Studios. But there seems to be more and more smaller press yeah. that are that are making their way into our local comic book stores. Which can only be a good thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, Sturgis at least has a, a at least a small name within comics because of Jack of Fables. If this is a thing where creators can go and it's like, I want to do anything I want. Sure, fine, do it. Hey, that's how Avatar made their name, for yeah. Christ's sake. You know, Warren Ellis saying, I'd like to do something where a woman has a vagina in her armpit. <laughs> All right, Warren, come on in. Well, this goes back <laughs> to the armpit ganking, isn't it? It's <laughs> Hey, I don't question you. I mean, your... I know that was a thing from Alien Nation. Apparently, that's how they... I, I, don't, I don't question your particular uh, taste. I'm a nasty piece of work. How about my taste? Ask anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, some background on uh, the story going on. Uh, there's this 20-something guy, uh, Dan Clover. He's a public relations pro whose estranged father just happens to be the king of this third world toilet nation in Eastern Europe or something. Yep. And it just happens to be one of the few places on Earth where magic is real. And just because magic is real and you are the king does not make you a good king. Right. Dan's father is the worst king. Yeah, like uh, literally He's the, the worst. Donald Trump of royalty. <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> he pisses everybody off. He almost starts wars with every country he deals with. So he hires his son to make him look better because he's a PR guy. So this requires Dan to put together a little PR firm with some of his friends and some people that he's just barely met. And he has to do things that regularly put his life in danger. Uh, and he does it, yeah, with this team of, of co-workers who are not, not very good. They're not very good at what they do. <laughs> well, one of them actually is very good at what she does. And what she does, though, is sleep with people. <laughs> that is true. She, <laughs> and because she's masterful what, at that. <laughs> not just people. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. Um, oh, by the way, we're going to spoil the shit out of this book. Yeah, we'll, we'll spoil it. But it, again, this is not the place you should get in. It's, we're just... Hopefully, having read the first five, I don't think we get to see her tits either. Uh, no, there's some tits and ass in this, but it's a comic book, and if that's the thing that really gets you excited about a comic book, you're probably listening to the wrong show. <laughs> uh, let me direct you to a thing called the internet, where there is human pornography. <laughs> You'd be much happier there. Yeah, it's this is this is a a book that's a load of fun that I've not heard a lot about. So yeah, this is more. Oh, don't run out and get this one. No, go out March 9th when number six comes out and it's a new arc. Yeah. But yeah, we just, and again, I bought them all. These people haven't approached us. It's just, this was fun. Yeah. So look, Dan as a protagonist, he's not a hero. <laughs> no. He's constantly awkward. He's in over his head. He does and says the worst possible thing at the worst possible time. He gets roped into trying to help out the king of a neighboring kingdom whose children are being kidnapped by a monster. And it turns out the monster's given the kids shelter because the king's a pederast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And th this country has a prophecy. Their queen's going to have, has a, has a birthmark. So he thinks he'll save the day by showing the crowd the birthmark on his new girlfriend's ass. But the problem is he only thinks she has a bookmark because she, yeah. yeah, she, she Xeroxed her ass at the company Christmas party and there was like confetti on the Xerox machine. <laughs> 
His coworkers are fucking morons. Yeah. There's one that's a horn dog who's constantly on the edge of a sexual harassment suit. And says things like, stop stop using their names. It makes it harder to objectify them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the figurehead who's supposed to be the, the, the face of the group, he's a dope. He uses fuck like a comma. He constantly <laughs> tries to do sexual metaphors. And when nobody laughs, he's like, you don't understand how fucking works or something. No, it was actually coffee. He was... <laughs> Was uh you you don't appreciate coffee like after the whole sex thing about like two lumps and some oh, cream. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his pilot, his pilot's my favorite. His, yeah. <laughs> the the pilot's narcoleptic. He's convinced that Dan's a pedophile, and he will tell anybody who will listen <laughs> that Dan's a fucking pervert. Uh, and yeah, it's look. The book is just explicitly loaded with jokes. This is not meant to be a, oh, it's a quirky thing where the humor comes from the situation. No, there's jokes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good, like, callbacks to things that happened in the eighties, like movies, movie references. Yeah. And it's <laughs> just, I'm not going to bullshit you. It's filthy. It is filthy. It's a, it turns out, yes, the, the queen actually, uh, should have a birthmark and she does on her on taint. taint. <laughs> uh, and, and her co, Dan, not her, Dan's coworker, Violet, She's been banging the monster without any idea the monster is female, despite the fact the monster's name is Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, she was confused by the size of the monster's clitoris. I'd be horrified, but hey. <laughs> Wasn't so much a, a little man on the boat. It was... Uh... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never found one in my life. <laughs> I've seen pictures, diagrams. <laughs> you have the internet. It's a lost city of Atlantis <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But why you stay with me? You buy me the Zune. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I bought her a Zune. <laughs> Can't find her clip. Oh, gee, right, we're, <laughs> Jesus. We're done here. All right, look. The bottom line, this is, it's a fun book with an interesting hook. It's like a workplace comedy in a magic kingdom and it's as loaded with jokes as I've seen any comic book, but they're kind of dirty and dark, and they're not going to be for everyone. That said, you've been listening to this show for <laughs> an hour and 25 minutes. You're probably the right audience for this book. <laughs> so yet, don't pick up issue five unless you can get the first one through five. Otherwise, yeah, issue six is out March 9th. So I I don't know whether the solicitation presumably this will be collected in a trade at some point too. One would think, but again, it's not a big book. You may have to ask your store to get it. But but yeah, this is just sort of a an off the beaten track. It's not a superhero thing. I've not heard a lot about it, but we had a lot of fun with it. And again, I got it just on a recommendation from a dude at the comic store. Yeah. So I'm your dude at the comic store. Me and Amanda are your dudes at the comic store. Here, Buy this book. Here's a fun one. There you go. Time to less fun. <laughs> Still well done, but not a barrel of larfs. Um, no, no. Batman 49, uh, written by Scott Snyder, art by Yannick Paquette. Yeah, that's a change. Yes. Uh, my <laughs> Pulo is on to other projects. <laughs> yeah, and my plot recap note here is Batman gets his groove back. Okay. <laughs> that's one way, of, one way of calling it, I guess. Yes, and uh, in order to talk about this, we are going to be spoiling it. Yep. So... So don't yawn yet. We're in the home stretch. No, it's been a long couple of days. We're trying to keep the house from freezing. We're gonna make it. I'm 
perplexed by the fact that Batman apparently has a machine in his cave that will rewrite your brain to make you Batman. I am okay with that, even though it kind of sci-fis up the sense of, of Batman. They, ever since the New 52, and particularly since the New 52 Future's End, Snyder and DC have made a concerted effort to bring Batman Beyond into standard Batman continuity. Yes. So the concept of Batman cloning himself in order to try to create new Batman as as the as are required. It's like yeah. well, I'll clone myself and be able to write my memories up to a certain point uh, so that there's always a Batman. I think that's something they've gone out of their way to try to bring into the idea of Batman. Yeah. From back to, I think, Batman 20, where we saw what was supposed to be the first Lucius Fox prototype of a Batman Beyond type suit. Right. It's been going on for a while. So it's a little sci-fi for Batman, but uh, I'm okay with that. I, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I've, I've trusted choices that Snyder has made, even when he's walked up to a particular line and made me go, I don't know. <laughs> The Immortal Joker, for example. Yeah, he's been kind of successful with me. I feel as though I, I, I get the point of this. There, there is a, a school of, of philosophy on Batman where he, he reaches this level of, I am the only person who can protect this city and I will do whatever it takes to, to ensure that I will always be here for the city. Um, yes. But, um, I feel as though having a machine like this takes away from the history of the character where wherein Batman is the sum of all of Batman's experiences and and you don't have Batman if his parents didn't die in the alley and he went down the path that he went and and to say that you can crystallize all of these things onto a server somewhere so that you can rewrite them onto a fresh blank brain really kind of takes away from Batman as a continuity. <laughs> yes, I can see that, but there are certain things that I think get added because of it. First of all, I think we will find long-term that this doesn't work with blank brains. Yeah. It worked in this particular case because whether Bruce Wayne remembers being Batman or not, He's still the toughest son of a bitch who ever lived. Right. So he can go past the level of brain death. We're going to spoil the hell out of this, by the <laughs> way. I forget if I if I mentioned it. Yeah. But uh, he can go past the point of brain death to have himself rewritten. And we may, it may just be as simple as, yeah, you know what? Your neural pathways uh, were pretty close. You only had about uh, six months worth of new ones, so it could map right on, and it will never work with anybody else. But the concept of cloning yourself to become Batman leaves open the idea of cloning Terry McGinnis for mm -hmm. Batman Beyond. No, that's true. So using that technology that will eventually, at least partially, be used to create Terry McGinnis is satisfying, kind of? I guess, although I'll have to see how it plays out. I like the origin story they had for McGinnis in Batman Beyond. I like the idea of Amanda Waller knowing that Batman bleeds the fuck all over the place. Yeah. You know, and then and then sort of forcing the engineering of of Terry and keeping an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, but part of why I like this is the concept that this won't necessarily work for everybody and the fact that Terry was cloned and it 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 makes Bruce Wayne unique. Because even though Terry was a clone, 
at the very end of Terry's story in Justice League United, there was a meeting between Terry and Amanda Waller where, yeah, Terry was bemoaning the fact that, oh, God, my whole life's been chosen for me. And I actually have about 10 seconds of audio if you okay, want it. Sure. You want to have a little better life than the old man's? Take care of the people who love you or don't. It's your choice. So we reach that point, and then right afterwards is a scene where Terry's ready to propose to Dana, mm -hmm. but still act as Batman. So he's willing to to say, I have to have a life, and I need to balance that with being Batman, and it makes him a completely different kind of Batman than Bruce Wayne. Absolutely. Now, yeah, compare that to Bruce, who by the end of this issue literally would rather be dead than not be Batman. He explicitly tells Julie Madison he's willing to completely forget her in order to be Batman again so that he can save the world. You got the parallels between Terry and Bruce and what they're willing to do with this technology. It makes Batman's story all the more tragic in that Terry embraces, I can't be like that. Nobody can be like that. Right. And Bruce is saying, I can only be like that. Yeah. There is no middle ground. <laughs> And yet the decision I felt was kind of heroic because Batman's thing has always been this terrible thing happened to him as a child. And because of that, he made a decision then he will give up any semblance of a normal life in order to make sure that nobody else has to go through that again. But it's a decision he made as a child. Yeah. By making his decision here, at least it's an adult choice. True. It's an adult who has a life who's saying, I need to give this up in order to save the city and my people in it. And it's it's in its own way a more tragic choice because it's not just a kid screaming, no, I won't do it, and just being in almost a state of arrested development. Yeah. This terrible thing happened to me, and I'm afraid, so I'm going to do this so not only I don't have to be afraid, but nobody has to be afraid, as opposed to an adult with an adult relationship and a job and sh saying, I I have to give this up. And as a grown-up with an adult mind, I am of my own free will doing it. It really kind of changes. It's potentially a watershed moment in Batman because it officially makes the choice to be Batman the choice of an adult, which it has never really been. That's a good point. It could really open up some interesting story elements, particularly if there are any leftover memories of the things that he gave up. Right. No, I, I don't disagree. I I just, I guess it feels really convenient to have this machine exist in continuity. Yeah, but again, I'll submit, at least back since Batman number 20, we've been moving down the, I'm creating something that will create Batman beyond. And this would be the kind of thing he'd try to create. Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, it does make sense in that context, I suppose. But you also, there, there's plenty of other ways they could have reversed the memory wipe. They, they've got all kinds of magical characters that, that live in the DC universe. They. Oh, the, yeah, there's a million things they could have done. Uh, whether this has been in Snyder's mind for two years, ever since we started seeing early Batman Beyond tech, I have no idea. I say it makes sense because that was there. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't think it matters whether it's this machine, uh, or, he goes to Zatanna or to the Phantom Stranger or to Darkseid. Yeah. It's still, the key is, it's Bruce Wayne saying, I have to give up my life, basically, to do this. And making that decision as an adult for the first time in DC history, as far as I know. Yeah, no, that's significant. 
So the the fact that the machine was there, it's a convenience, and I think there was enough continuity built up over the last couple of it's couple Bat- of years. Batman ex machina. Yeah, <laughs> that will write that down. That could work. <laughs> it's interesting what he did, and I think there could be really some interesting things that come out of it if he em- embraces that concept of okay, I've chosen this as as an adult. Yeah, I mean, anything else on the overall story? Because there's some individual <coughs> stuff in this book. The, some I, of the art choices were weird. Like, I I got the impression that there was a lot going on that seemed kind of informed by almost a Grant Morrison kind of thing. Uh, there's this sort of weird splash page where there's an alternate universe Batman who's fighting some squid monster. <laughs> yeah, the the little flash forwards or whatever the hell they were, I think were the one really legitimate failure in the book. Yeah. Uh, I get I didn't see the purpose for it. I honestly. And, uh, I comics are a visual medium. There's got to be some kind of visual representation of what Bruce is going through as he's in this machine. Yeah. So I I get it on that level. Uh I further get the idea the machine was basically there to kind of 3D print Batman <laughs> as as they go through the future. So showing possible future representations of what Bruce could have gone through, I suppose makes sense, except it really doesn't because these really seem to be alternate realities and yeah, not futures. Exactly. That, I, that's why it seemed just sort of weird and jarring and Grant Morrison-like. Yeah, I can't think of any <laughs> alternate future where Bruce Wayne is working with Joe Chill. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> any possible future. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's like, all right, well, maybe it's the multiverse. Well, nothing about this tech has any representation that it has anything to do with the multiverse. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it's, I get what they were going for here. It's, oh, no, this is the visual representation of trying to overmap his brain. I just think it I think it was a misfire. I think it felt flat. Yes. Uh, and it didn't help. I, I like Yannick uh, Paquette as an artist. It's just it's so jarring to go from all of those issues of Capullo to where this is we're in the penultimate stretch of this arc. And now we have completely different art. Well, yeah. How much juice does Scott Snyder have a DC editorial that he can be okay with changing artists? Like <laughs> midstream in a story arc. I mean, <laughs> it's, you get event books. Yeah. Major event books where they get delayed, delayed to the point where the, the climax of the book hasn't happened yet. But books referencing that climax have, <laughs> are out. Yeah, have to come out for two or Secret three months. Wars. Yeah, hi, Secret Wars. How you doing? <laughs> but they do that because it's like, oh no, we need to maintain the same creative team because when we collect it in the trade, it has to look the same. And how much juice does Scott Snyder have to be able to say, no, it's okay, bring in another artist because Greg wants to do something else? Or how much juice does Greg have to say, you know, nope, I think I'm going to go do this other thing in the middle. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's, I mean, this potentially, this has the potential to be an iconic Batman story. You know, I, again, the idea that an adult makes the choice to be Batman is something brand new. It could have the potential, probably not, but it could have the potential <laughs> to be as iconic as year one. And imagine if Frank Miller, Frank Miller on issue three said, nah, we're done with David Magitelli. We're going to get, uh, we're going to get Hembeck, <laughs> which is not fair to Yannick Briquette. His Hembeck is a comedy thing and his art is fine in this, but yeah, it's jarring that it's a different look. And when it comes out in a trade, it's going to be weird. Yeah. So it's, if you want to know where the power is at DC, I think this is an object lesson in who gets to call the shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
some of the there were some really great mo- moments in this, and the the best moments for me came from Alfred. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, just Alfred the, is so torn up that Bruce is going back to this. Yeah, it's just his unwillingness, particularly to start with, to have anything to do with Bruce changing back to Batman. Of course, if he'd been willing <laughs> to shut down, say, the indulgence of a child. As he is when he's an adult, you're gonna stop Batman before he ever started. I bet Bruce Wayne got all the fucking candy he wanted when he was a kid. <laughs> Alfred, I want the candy. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to train in jujitsu and I want candy. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, I think they have a com- they always had sort of a complex relationship because and and they've covered this to a certain degree satisfactorily on the Gotham show. Um, Alfred has parental feelings towards Bruce, but at the end of the day, Bruce is his employer. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. But the the whole thing about where Alfred says a few times in this is that you're my son. That we all know Alfred feels that way about Bruce. It's it's nice to see it explicitly stated now yeah. and again. So that worked for me. It's kinda nice to hear it. Yeah. Uh the best line in it for me was you're not him. He's dead. He finally died. Died fighting that monster like he wanted. That line cracks open so many questions about Batman and his motivations. I started thinking about that he doesn't kill Joker because maybe he's expecting the Joker to kill him. And that's the only way he can go. Start thinking about the Dark Knight Returns and his constant refrain of this is a good death, but not good enough. Yeah. Not, not a good death. Yeah, you start thinking about the circumstances where Bruce would allow himself to give up and whether it would have to be at the hands of the greatest monster he's ever known. It it's just it's a killer line. Well, and they've they've been so explicit in in this arc and in others about the the symbiotic relationship between Batman and Joker. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean even even like the issue were so previous where Joker was at a point where it's like it, if you come back, like I'm gonna have to kill myself. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that was also. Yeah, I think that was the last issue. Yeah, and yeah, that was solid. The concept of if either of us does it, we both have to do it. We don't have to do it though. <laughs> I have a life. <laughs> yeah. So a job. <laughs> but yeah, no. Just the 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 concept, and it it it's something I'm sure I've thought of over the years, but never just as starkly as what he wants is for the Joker to kill him. Yeah. And whether it's as whether it's as simple as this is the only person, force, whatever that is worthy to kill me, but, and the only death that is acceptable is if the most dangerous thing I've ever faced kills me. Yeah, but I think it also speaks to Alfred watching Bruce grow up. There had to have been a level of of mental illness there on Bruce's end that he was so single-minded and so fucked up <laughs> and and nobody could get him off that path or get him into any kind of treatment <laughs> that would have helped to to heal his trauma after his parents' death that led to this need to become Batman. Like if if Alfred had even tried, he would have been fired. So <laughs> yeah, and there's there's something to be said for that. There's certainly a certain amount of mental illness in somebody who, to, to quote Chris Sims, dresses like Bat Dracula and punches the mentally ill. Right, but also it's that same level of mental illness that would allow him to go through brain death and be rewritten 
to become this tragic character. Yeah, it, that's that's definitely at play. It, it just it, it makes me think about Bruce Wayne's motivation. Yeah. And, and whether it's as simple as the Frank Miller, a good death, or as complicated as I've been trying to get any of you idiots to kill me because I can't do it myself. Yeah. And I live in constant terrible pain. Suicide by supervillain. Yeah. The only thing I've seen that is single-minded enough to combat my single-minded purpose is the Joker. And that is the only thing that can kill me. And I can't let him kill me, but Christ, if he could just do it so I don't have to hurt anymore. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this issue. There's really a lot going on. The the visual flash forwards or whatever, that's a non-starter. But some of the other stuff going on, just in, that's one panel I've been thinking about for two days. Yeah. yeah this is a really good issue of Batman. No, I, I, I don't have any quibble other than the, the change in art was, was jarring. <laughs> yeah. And it's to the point where it made me feel selfish. It, you get to the last panel and it's a close up of Bruce, who's clearly now he's Batman again. Yeah. Somehow like, this machine managed to shave him. Because he had a beard at the beginning of it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was I was willing to accept that. <laughs> it's a comic, it's a comic book. Yeah, but, but the uh, the thing is, like, save it for the car. Let's go to work. It's like, yeah, he's Batman again. Oh Jesus, this poor son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot going on in this book. I I really enjoyed it. I wish they'd found a different way to visually demonstrate what was going on in that machine because that that's a big black mark on what should be a completely huge and triumphant issue still really good but yeah yeah it it detracted from it somewhat but still yeah that one go pick that one up doesn't matter if you read the other ones (laughs) and if you haven't read the other ones it'll be less jarring to you art wise yes so all right well as always go see deadpool Deadpool and pick up public relations and batman yes and uh send us firewood for christ's sake it's a terrible place to live this week (laughs) Don't know where you found this episode. I never know where you find this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I'm actually doing stuff with it now as I have time to do it, and we can always get messages through there. Facebook page is Crisis on Infinite. Ugh, I'm tired. Crisis on Infinite Midlives. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes, and if that is your normal way of sucking down podcast media, do us a favor and give us a review, shoot us a rating, it helps new people find the show. We are on Stitcher, mm-hmm. we're on TuneIn Radio, we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Do we get added to the Google store? Uh, the Google is just beginning to accept podcasts, they don't have a directory yet. Okay. So, Yeah, we'd be on Google if Google was ready, they're not, so <laughs> go to one of the other ones. I miss anything else other than that, or um, that's nah, not official either. <laughs> I know the one you're thinking of. That's not official. Either. Okay, all right. So, all right. You can always email us, no matter what. Crisis on Infinite Midlives at gmail dot com. That is it. This has been episode one hundred and three of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. I really got to take a leak. I'd love to tell you I got something funny to say as a tag on the show. I got to take a piss. Thanks.